You are listening to the East Point Church Sermon Podcast. We're a church that exists to glorify God as a gospel community that is growing in faith and reaching the world. From wherever you are listening, we hope that you are encouraged and challenged by today's sermon. It is good to be with you. My name is Sam. I'm the lead pastor here. If we have not had the privilege of meeting, we should do that very soon. Come on out to the lobby, hang out for a little bit, say hello. Uh, but Merry Christmas, church. Merry Christmas. It is Christmas time here at East Point Church, and we are in a special series. So for the, set, for the four weeks of Advent, we are in a series called God With Us where we are realizing, where we are reflecting on the fact that Jesus Christ being born in that manger, that was God. Jesus Christ being born in that manger, that was the fulfillment of a centuries-long anticipation and expectation that God was coming to humanity. And so we're excited this Christmas season. We're in the book of Isaiah, and so I'm going to invite you to open up your Bibles to Isaiah 52. Isaiah chapter 52. If you have one of the blue and white Bibles that you're borrowing from us, that's page 613. Page 613, that's where we're going to be for the next few moments. How many of you guys like receiving mail? Yep, okay, right? And how many of you guys get disappointed because the only people that send you mail are the credit card companies and the phone bill and the electricity, you know what I mean? They get me every time. I'm like, for me! No, they don't like me. They're not my real friends, right? There's something special about receiving a message. You should see my kids. My kids love when the mailman comes up, right? They see him in his little blue and white truck, the steering wheel's on the wrong side, and it is like primetime television. They run to the window, and they're just... You would think that this man is Santa Claus, the way they greet the mailman. There's just something magical about seeing someone else in a different part of the world bring a message and put it in our mailbox, right? Man, you should see my kids when the, you think mailman is cool, the Amazon delivery guy. That is Santa Claus, because they've been trained, right? They know mom and dad press the magic button on the magic computer, and bing, there is a special delivery, right? There is a communication from the outside world. I'm making fun of my kids, but you should see my church staff. You should, see, you should see Daniel and Amy when Amazon comes up, you know what I mean, or UPS pulls up to the front. They, they, it's been Christmas since September for them. Man, you should see Daniel. Daniel gets a package, and he breaks out into song. He says, how beautiful is the sight of the UPS truck pulling up to our front door? And Amy joins in with the choir. How beautiful are the feet of those workers carrying the Amazon packages? They love receiving messages, man. Woo! They love receiving messages. And today, we are going to receive a message. You could even call this message a special delivery because the people that are receiving this message, they had no idea it was coming. Right? The only thing better than getting a message is a surprise message. You know what I'm saying? You didn't expect this. Whoa, my 52nd Christmas card in the mail. I had no idea it was coming. I'm just kidding. That's not a special delivery. Those are, do your Christmas cards. But today is a special delivery. And as you guys listen to this message, you're going to get excited. Man, I can guarantee you, guys, you're going to receive this message, and you're going to realize with me that this is meaningful. The message we're going to hear today is significant. This message has changed the course of human history. And by the end of this message, I believe that you will be encouraged to worship. 
You're going to be encouraged. You're going to be comforted by this message. You, just like Daniel in the office, by the end of this message, you are going to be exclaiming, how beautiful are the feet of those who brought me such a message. Church, are you ready to hear that message? Special delivery. Here we go, folks. Merry Christmas. Isaiah chapter 52. Here's what God's word says, beginning in verse 1. Awake, awake, put on your strength, O Zion. Put on your beautiful garments, O Jerusalem, the holy city. For there shall no more come into you the uncircumcised and the unclean. Shake yourself from the dust and arise. Be seated, O Jerusalem. Loose the bonds from your neck, O captive daughter of Zion. Let's pause the message right there. We see that God's prophet, he arrives with a message for Jerusalem. And if we're going to really understand the significance of this message, you guys got to know the backdrop. You have to know the context, what is going on in Jerusalem at the time of this message. You have to get this. Jerusalem, my friends, is broken. They're broken. The year was 586 B.C., and Babylon has invaded Jerusalem, broken down their walls, literally torched their temple to the ground, gathered up all of the treasures, and they started marching back to Babylon. And then they said, oh, wait, time out. Anybody who escaped the sword, man, woman, and child, anybody who we didn't murder, put them in chains and follow the leader because we're going back to Babylon. Forced relocation, exile, captivity, slavery. Jerusalem is broken. You see, God warned these people that this would happen. God told them, if you do not turn from your evil, if you do not stop sacrificing your children to pagan gods, if you do not stop being duplicitous in your heart, if you do not stop oppressing the poor, if you don't stop committing evil, you're going to experience a reverse of the exodus. And they didn't listen. And so here they are, guys. 586. This is not just like an important year for, for like Christian. Like this is like a well-documented historical fact. You can see archaeologists have found writings and, and pictures that are portraying. That, look at them. They're carrying off the, the treasure from the temple all the way to Babylon. This is big. This is like trending. This is apocalyptic in the ancient world. But don't let the maps confuse you. Don't let the, the dates lull you into this history mindset that you, you kind of think of this very impersonally. Oh, that's just a date in history. I want you to remember what was it like for the people. These are real people. These are real experiences. And so what was their emotional state? See, it's so easy thousands, thousands of years later to go, yeah, that's a date. No, no, that was a day that changed their life. If you want to read more about this, you can go to Psalm 137. Psalm 137, you're going to see one of the most raw portraits of God's people because they're writing that song while they're in Babylon. Look, at, look what it says, the first verse. By the waters of Babylon, there we sat down and wept when we remembered Zion. They go on to talk about how they're hanging up their harps in the trees because they just don't even have it in them to sing anymore. These people are crushed. They're despairing. They have given up hope. They, friends, are captives. And yet, 
Here we see them in the midst of their exile, right? We have come to them in their brokenness. We see them in their despondency. But today, rather than waking up to the sound of babbling foreign voices, right, a reminder that they're not in Kansas anymore, rather than waking up to the sounds of Babylon, rather than hearing the barking commands of their taskmasters and the crack of the whip, this morning they wake up and they hear a familiar voice. They hear a voice of comfort. They hear the voice of a prophet. And the prophet busts onto the scene, and look what he says to them. He arrives with some startling instructions. His tone doesn't seem to match the situation here. And he busts into the room, and he says, Awake! Awake! Come on! On your feet! This is the opposite of how my wife wakes up my children, (laughs) you know? My wife knows to match her communication to the situation. So she comes in, and she opens the curtains, and she goes, good morning, boys, right? And she's soothing them, and they're like, whoa. It's like a picture. It's like a movie, you know? Not the prophet. Bam! Awake! Awake! Wake up! Shake yourself! Arise! Get dressed, people! Come on, stir yourself from this sad slumber in your cell. I want you to shake off the dust, stop sitting on the floor, and come sit on this chair. As a matter of fact, we're going somewhere, and so mm, I want you to take off your chains, and I want you to put on beautiful garments, because the season of slavery is about to be exchanged for a season of celebration. Wake up! What a message. What a message. He is saying to them, friends, this is what we see. Captives are called to rise from their chains. Captives are called to rise from their chains. Imagine right, a dark dungeon, black, and you're sitting in there, and, it, and you're a cowering captive, right? You haven't moved in weeks, years. You haven't heard a familiar voice in a long time. And you wake up one morning, and the dungeon door opens, right? And there's this light, and you almost like, you got to put your hands up, almost as if you're standing on the stage here. And you're like, I can't see. And then you hear that voice. Let's go. Time to go. Wake up. Hey, take off your chains. Shake off the dust. Just walk out of here. Oh, and by the way, can you put on your suit coat for dinner? Because you look like a mess right now, all right? Time to go. Imagine you're sitting in that cell. What are you thinking right now? What? Is this a cruel joke? Oh, real funny, guys. Yeah, good one. Just take off my chains, okay. And then you imagine the guards, right? The guards, right? And they just, they jog in after the prophet. They go, whoa, 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 Mr. Prophet. Oh, excuse me. Do you not know who you're talking to here? Do you not know who these people are? These are our captives, one fair and square in Babylon. Do you know who you're talking to? These are captives. And the prophet He looks at them and he goes, oh, no, 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 it's you who don't know who these people are. Look how God addresses these people. He says, oh, captive daughter. You see, friends, they may be in captivity, living as slaves, but that's not their identity. They are sitting in a cell, and yet the prophet reminds them, these are God's children. God never stopped seeing them. God never stopped loving them. God never stopped addressing them as his children. Yes, they are far away in captivity because of their own faithlessness. And yet, God is still faithful. Even after all their evil. Even after all their mistakes. 
even in the midst of judgment, we see that God doesn't go, new people. Hey, Abraham, my bad, but I just can't even right now, okay? Man, that's not God. Even though they are faithless, God is still faithful. They are still his children, and he calls them his daughter. And so maybe you're here this morning, friend, and you feel like you've gone too far. Ever been there? Man, I love God, and I was feeling good, and I was at church, but man, I have just blown it. You know what? I I thought I had grace, but I think I have exhausted God's patience. I think I have exhausted God's love. And if you've ever felt that way, I want you to look at the text. They are captive daughters. They never stop being his children. They're still his. And so, friends, yes, they have fallen, but we see here that God is faithful even when we're faithless. God is faithful even when we are faithless. His love is forever. And so I see you. I know you've fallen this week. I get it, church. You have messed up, Christian. You're sitting here this morning, and you're even frustrated by your own lack of faithfulness. You're frustrated by the fickleness of your own heart. But friend, if you are in Christ, if you are in God's family, I need you to know this morning, you are still his children. And you may be entangled for the moment in your sin. You may be caught up and feeling led captive. But friend, you're still his son. You're still his daughter. And so awake! Arise and come to him. And this is what our prophet is saying to the captive daughter of Zion. Something is happening. Something is significant. Something significant is taking place. Guys, it is time to go. And they're like, what? And he says, no, the time of your captivity is over. It's over. 70 years sitting in Babylon. It is over. The message is clear. He says, you shall no more have people come into you, the uncircumcised and the unclean. The day of being invaded and abused by these pagan powers is over. It's done. Get up. It's done. He says, I know you have fallen. I know that your evil has put you on a crass course with my justice, but guess what? I'm going to reestablish you. I'm going to redeem you. I'm going to build you back up into the holy city. The season of slavery has ceased. The time of judgment is done. And so our prophet arrives on the scene with the message, and he is calling these captives to rise from their chains. How would you feel if you just got that news? That's pretty tight, right? The time of your captivity is over. But you know if you've been in captivity for that long, you're probably not just going to pop up and be like, oh, really? We're done? Okay, moving on. It's almost like it hurts to hope. It hurts to even dare to believe that this is real. How do we know that this prophet isn't just blowing smoke? How do we know that he's not like those other prophets who have shown up for the last 70 years and they have always popped up with false hope and empty feel goods? Don't worry, Babylon's not coming. And then we got wrecked. How do we know we can believe this prophet? How do we know that this hope is real? How do we know that he's not just writing a big check that if I dare to bring it to the bank, it's just going to bounce? How can they possibly offer such hope unless there really was hope? Let's see what he says. The next verse, verse 3. For thus says the Lord, you were sold for nothing and you shall be redeemed without money. For thus says the Lord God, 
My people went down at the first into Egypt to sojourn there, and the Assyrian oppressed them for nothing. Now, therefore, what have I here, declares the Lord, seeing that my people are taken away for nothing. Their rulers wail, declares the Lord, and continually all the day my name is despised. Therefore, my people shall know my name. Therefore, in that day they shall know that it is I who speak. Here I am. Here I am. And so we see here, guys, go back to the top here. This is not just an over-eager, over-zealous prophet who is just trying to encourage people. We cannot confuse the messenger for the author of the message. The cause for excitement, the cause for his hopeful tone is this. Thus says the Lord. Thus says the Lord. This is not a message that has been generated from within the prophet. This is not him sitting by his bedstand going, how can I encourage my, my national people today? Thus says the Lord. God has spoken. God is about to step into the situation, and here's his plan. The redemption of God's people will spread the fame of God's glory. The redemption of God's people is about to spread the fame of God's glory. He calls these captives to rise from their chains because God is coming to redeem his people. He says, you shall be redeemed. Now, we use the word redeemed maybe a little bit differently than they did, right? We say, you redeemed yourself, right? You messed up, but you redeemed yourself. You have rehabilitated your reputation, right? Redemption. I missed, I missed the game-winning shot last week, but this week I nailed it. Redemption. Redemption in the Bible is a slavery word, okay? And so what you would do is, if you had no more money to pay off your creditors, you couldn't just declare yourself bankrupt and let the, the government assume your debt. You had to work it off. You sold yourself into slavery. You might even call it indentured servitude, right? They were indentured servants. And so they said, I owe you X amount of dollars. Tell you what, I'm going to come and be your slave and until I work off my debt and then I'll go free. Man, some people would get in so much debt that it would last forever. And so there was another option if you were so fortunate. You could have somebody else come and redeem you. You could have somebody else come and pay the price that you owed. They pay your debt so that way your captive, your creditor, no longer holds the chains. He sets you free. That's what it means to redeem. And so God says he is going to redeem these people who are slaves and in chains in Babylon. He's going to buy them back. He's going to get out his wallet and purchase, his, purchase their freedom. But notice what he says here. What was their debt? How much did they owe? What was the creditor's bill? It says here, you were sold for nothing. They're sitting in captivity, but this wasn't your typical indentured servant. They have been kidnapped. They have been sold into slavery. They have been taken advantage of. And so God shows up and he goes, no, 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 no. You were sold for nothing. I don't see any legal documentation. I didn't see any money exchange hands. I wasn't part of some formal agreement or sale that they now have the right to you. Therefore, here's what it means. You're still mine. Oh, was I in debt that I owed some creditors? Go back to chapter 50 and 51. God gets snarky here. He goes, oh, did, did I owe a debt to the creditors that I had to, like, sell you into slavery? No, no, no. They bought you. They got you for nothing. And so guess what? I'm going to redeem you in the same way they got you, without money. I'm going in there, 
and I'm taking you out, not by writing a check, but my, by my own power. By my own power. I'm going to deliver you from Babylon, and nobody will confuse who did it. It is me. And again, you can see how God just so graciously communicates to these cowering captives. He continues to remind them and encourage them that what he says is actually true. He says, for thus says the Lord, we've been here before. For thus says the Lord, this is not our first rodeo. First, it was Egypt. Remember that? And they're all like, oh yeah. Remember how my people went down during a famine because they needed some bread? And before they knew it, they were taken captive and sold into slavery? Or, or, or remember the next time, remember when the king of Assyria, Sennacherib, remember when he came and surrounded Jerusalem just like, just like happened up in Samaria and everybody thought the Assyrians were going to destroy you? Remember, what do both of these situations have in common? God delivered them. God redeemed them. God, God intervened powerfully each time, not with money, but by his power. And so God is saying, first Egypt, now Assyria, then Assyria, and now, what do I have here? <laughs> here we go again. What have I here? What am I looking at in this situation? He looks at the situation, and look what he sees in Babylon. This is important. Look at this. Not only, as he looks at the situation, not only does he see the abuse of God's people, he sees the disrespect of God's power. Not only does he see his people being despised, his own glory and power and presence are being called into question. Look what he says. Their rulers wail, which is in this text, it doesn't mean crying, it means mocking and they're boasting. They are just wailing on God. He says, all day long, people are despising my name. Guys, you got to understand this. They were rolling their eyes at God. <laughs> oh, they, they worship the creator over there in Jerusalem, right? Yeah, how'd that work out for them? They turned God's name into a joke. Like they're over there playing basketball on the court, and a guy was like, oh, I'm going to crush you. And then he just throws up a shot, and it's total air ball, and they go, way to Yahweh it. <laughs> you know, to Yahweh it, to talk a big game but have no power. They turned his name into a, into a mockery. They were rolling their eyes and laughing at God. And you know why, right? They just handed it to Jerusalem. They just destroyed and ransacked God's people. And so they think to themselves, dude, if it was that easy, their God must be a joke. <laughs> oh, the creator, right? Okay. Well, you, you have fun with the creator of the world while we run around ruling the world. Yeah, how's that working for you? Where's your God now? Where is he, Jerusalem? Did you leave him back there? Maybe he was in the bathroom when you guys got destroyed by us, and maybe, maybe he just doesn't know where you are. Maybe you should turn on Find My People on your phone because he doesn't seem to know where you are. Where is he? I don't want to be on the other side of that response because what God is about to do, they are going to poop their pants. <laughs> Seriously. Their bravado, right? Let's use biblical terms. Their bowels are going to give out on themselves. Because when God shows up, like imagine, it's like a, a scene out of a movie where you think the guy on the other side of the door is like two foot nothing, and you're talking smack, you're talking smack, and the door opens, and you're like, what have I done? 
That's what this passage is like. God shows up and he says, I am going to redeem my people in such a way that no one will mistake or mock my power. I'm going to do this in such a way that the very people who are despising my name, oh, they're going to know my name. What's your God's name again? Oh, they're not going to ask you that. They're going to know what my name is when I'm done with them. He's going to do it in such a way that God's glory will be beyond question. His intervention, friends, in his people's lives is going to leave no doubt as to his power, his presence, or his care. And you just, you feel, right? It's not an arrogance when it's God. It's just appropriate. And it's the creator talking to creatures. And he says, oh, they want to know where I am? Trust me, when I speak, there'll be no doubting it. They're going to know, here I am. Where are you at? Here I am. God is going to flex his might in such a way that they're going to realize the vast worlds of difference between the creator and a creature. They think they rule the world. They're about to meet the one who created the world because he is going to powerfully redeem his people. And friends, when he redeems his people, I'm telling you, the redemption of God's people will spread the fame of God's glory. Good news for these captives. It's impossible to listen to this message. It's impossible to read their situation and to not see our own picture in this, isn't it? Right, Christians? Am I right, church? We see ourselves in these captives. This is our story. We're not captives to Babylon. We're not slaves to Assyria. We are slaves to sin. The S word. Sin. I remember for so long I fought against this idea of sin because I was growing up and I worked hard and I studied and I was like, sin, uh, we're all sinners? I mean, come on, like, they're sinners, but we're like like tier two, top, you know, like, come on, like, hey, friends, we are real here. We have no grand illusions as to the state of our own perfection. We're sinners. We're sinners. I'm not standing up here with a sandwich sign, a sandwich board sign, and a long beard and frothing from the mouth. Sinner! No, I'm being super real right now. We've all messed up. You should look in the mirror today and say, you are messed up. That's what we should do. We come together every morning, and instead of like, you is kind, you is important, you know, like, look in the mirror every day, you is a sinner, you is messed up. (laughs) Hey, but God loves you anyway. That's the key. We are messed up. And so some of our sins go before us. Some of our sins are obvious, but some of our sins are subtle, and they go behind us. But it doesn't matter, friends. Welcome to East Point Church. We are all equally messed up. We are captives to our sin. We are in slavery in the same boat. But just like God promised to redeem those Israelites, God has promised to redeem you. God has promised to set you free. God said, I will redeem my creation without money. God came in the person of Jesus Christ, and he didn't write a check. He didn't pay money for your freedom. He paid his life. Because the debt that you owed was death. And so he paid your death, so that way your creditor no longer had anything over your head. He no longer has the chains. You are free to be in God's family. You are free, filled with the Holy Spirit, to live the way that God designed humanity to live, just like Jesus Christ. 
This is what Jesus said, right? His own personal mission statement. He says, for the Son of Man came to give his life as a ransom for many. Friends, if you're hearing my voice, Jesus Christ died so that you could be free. He died so that you could live. He paid death so that you could taste life. He took your place so that you could take his place. God's beloved son or daughter. That's good news. That's good news. And I'm telling you what, every place in this planet, on this earth, where that story is told, God's fame is spreading. Last week, were you guys aware last week of how powerful God is? as we saw eight people give their story and go public with their faith, right? We share our testimony. We share our story of redemption because when we do, God's fame spreads more and more people in our circle of influence go, that's what God is like. Wow. The redemption of God's people will spread the fame of God's glory. And so, friend, I challenge you, tell your story. Tell the story of your redemption. Tell your world how he saved you from his sin, from your sin. Tell the world how he adopted you and brought you into his family, not because you were worth it or because you, you earned it, but because Jesus did it for you. Tell the world that God has come to redeem. God has come to redeem. That's the message. And so imagine being the messenger who gets to deliver that message of joy and hope. Imagine being the messenger from our text this morning. And so we end our passage in the only way that such an awesome passage can end. We end with a song. You guys want to hear it? No, I'm not going to sing it. The messenger is going to sing it. So look what he says, final two verses, verse 7. How beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of him who brings good news, who publishes peace who brings good news of happiness, who publishes salvation, who says to Zion, your God reigns. The voice of your watchmen, they lift up their voice. Together they sing for joy, for eye to eye they see the return of the Lord to Zion. Friends, final point, the arrival of good news is a sight for sore eyes. The arrival of good news is a sight for sore eyes. We see in this song there's an illustration. There's a metaphor here. He says this message is so good that it's like a watchman has delivered it. And so you guys got to know what a watchman is. This is powerful. So in the ancient cities, they would station, I don't know why I did this, they would station watchmen, they would station people several miles outside of the city, preferably on high ground. Okay? And you know why? That was their form of radar. Think about it. How do they know if there's an invading army going to, I don't know, it's Thursday, let's go destroy Jerusalem, right? So they would set up these watchmen high up on the hill outside of the city, and they would be stationed there. And at the first sight of news, at the first advent of something, they couldn't call it in. Those boys ran it in. Cha-cha-cha. <laughs> That's what they would do. They would run in the news. And so as they're running, you got guards on the walls. And their job is to look to the horizon for the, for the sight of a watchman. And how many of y'all know if you're sitting on that wall, you can tell real fast if he's bringing good news or bad news, right? That guy comes over the crest of the hill and he's going... And you just, like, you can't even hear him yet, but your stomach just drops, and you're like, oh, 
this is not going to be good. Guys, get ready. What's the word? I don't know, but it ain't good. But imagine you see a guy coming over that horizon, and he's just You don't feel that drop. You don't feel nervous. You are filled with an exciting energy. You are filled with anticipation because you know that the sight of this smiling sprinter means that he is about to publish good news of happiness. Man, what would it be like if we had Watchmen, right? If you had to wait to see him come as a notification of what's going on. Where you're like, well, yeah, I don't know. We don't have those, right? But here's what we do have, right? And this is what you say, right? In the 21st century, you might say something like this. How beautiful is the sight of that little red badge that tells me good news is here. You know that feeling you get when that little red thing goes off? I personally get anxiety. I turn off those things because I have like 477. I'm like, oh, just throw out the phone. But I know what it's like. I know the dopamine hit you guys get. I've seen the podcast and the documentaries. You go, whoa, good news. Or maybe you're on your phone, right? And that little notification pops up that you have a text message. How beautiful is the sight of that text message alert? How beautiful is the sound of that ringtone that alerts and announces the call that I've been sitting by the phone for? How beautiful is the sight of the mailman that finally brings the Christmas gifts that I've been waiting for because I waited till the last minute to do my Christmas shopping? Or let's take it old school. He says here, how beautiful are the feet? How beautiful is that sight of coming over the mountain? How beautiful is it? See, the arrival of good news is a sight for sore eyes. And so our watchmen, they're running closer. They're almost within earshot now. I'm like, what is he saying? I don't know. They're within earshot, and now we can hear them screaming. We hear them saying what their message is, and what are they declaring? He's here. He's here. Who's here? Hold on. Yeah, sorry. God is here. God is here, and his salvation is with him. He is rolling deep with the entourage of heaven. He is arriving with all of his might and his splendor and his glory. He is here. He is here. Make no mistake, our God reigns. And then they get within the walls, and they say, everybody, spread the word, spread the news, spread the news, the return of the Lord to Zion. Oh, what a message. They're not just screaming. They're practically singing this message because this is such good news. They are singing with joy because their message is this, God is with us and brings redemption for us. God is with us. And that's good news because he brings redemption for us. What do you think those people in Babylon felt as they were sitting there and they heard this message? What do you think those cowering captives in a dungeon felt? What do you think the eastern shore would feel 
when they hear this message? What do you think our neighbors and our family members and our loved ones and our friends and our coworkers, what do you think they will feel when they hear the message that God is with us and he brings redemption for us? Church, here's where I want you to leave. I want to leave you with. Because of Christmas, you get to be a watchman. Because of Christmas, you get to be the beautiful feet. Good news. Because of Christmas, you get to declare to people that God has come and his name is Jesus. He's here. He's here. And he's in a manger. Paul, he quotes our passage today in Romans uh, chapter 10. Look what he says. How are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach good news. That's Isaiah 52 right there. How beautiful are the feet, East Point Church, of people who go and declare the message that God is with us and he brings redemption for us. And so tell me, watch point church. I was just trying it on, no? All right, we'll, we'll stick with these points. Tell me, church, who in your life, who in your circle of influence, who in your world has God put next to you because he wants you to be a watchman? Who needs to hear? Who are you, who are you praying for to experience redemption and freedom? How else will they know unless you are sent? So go. Jesus sent us. Go into all the world and make disciples. How will they hear it if no one tells them? And so I love this message. I love the message of God's redemption. And I wish that we could just sit here all day long, Christmas time, we're just going to celebrate what redemption means for us. But God says, no, it's time to go. And this is my prayer, that this Christmas season and forevermore, that East Point Church would be like the watchmen. That we, that we would be those who have been redeemed and now go into the world. And every time their community sees East Point Church, every time they see a ministry partner, they would exclaim to themselves, what a sight for sore eyes. How beautiful are the feet of these people who are bringing this message that God is with us and he brings redemption for us. Let's pray. Father, we are so grateful for your word. We worship you, Lord, through this text. We worship you that you, though you may be scoffed at and mocked and ridiculed and despised by the kingdoms of this world, Lord, there's a day coming where you will say, here I am. As a matter of fact, Lord, that day has already come once where you showed up and put on flesh and you said, here I am. And because of what you have done through Christ, we are saved. We are redeemed, Lord. We are in your family, and we are forever grateful. So, Lord, this Christmas season, this season of Advent, of hope and expectation, may we remember what you have done for us. Lord, may we remember that we are called to go and to spread the good news. May we remember, Lord, that your fame is spread, that your glory is expanded as we tell of it, Lord. So thank you for being with us, and thank you for redeeming us. In Jesus' name. Amen. We want to thank you again for joining us for this week's sermon podcast. My name is Daniel, and I'm the music and creative pastor here at East Point Church. 
And if you were challenged, encouraged, or impacted in any way by this week's sermon, we would love to hear about it. It's your stories that encourage us and what we do, and we just want to celebrate what God is doing in your life. So you can go ahead and share with us at podcast at epeaston.com. Also, make sure that you subscribe to our channel to stay up to date with the latest sermons. Have a great week.